Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. All right, will you turn with me to Psalm 56 this evening? Psalm 56. We got another moving from fear to faith theme song. There's many of them in God's hymnal, isn't there? Uh, And that would lead me to conclude (laughs) that their presence and their quantity indicate that this theme is something that God knows that we need, that he wants us to hear, and he wants us to hold on to so that we can uh, abdicate places of fear and then ascend uh, to a place of faith that's good for us and glorifying to God. And while there are many, um, as as I think about each one, it seems like every single one has some kind of nuance And we're going to see that tonight. If you're there in Psalm 56 and you look at the superscript, what in the Hebrew Bible is actually the first verse, that that little section that's usually in a different font or italics underneath the number. It says, To the chief musician upon Yonath Elam Rechokim, a victim of David, when the Philistines took him in Gath. And so to the chief musician... uh, literally means like for the worship leader, that this is a congregational song meant to be sung like we have just done. And then upon Yonath Elam Rechokim, that's Hebrew, and it's probably the name of the tune. And in English, it would be something like um, about the dove on faraway oaks. And so it might just be the name of the tune uh, that was common, and he wrote these lyrics to it, or it might have something to do with the context And then a mictum. This is a second mictum we've seen. Psalm 16 was the first. And then now Psalms 56 to 60 are are mictums. Don't really know what that means either. Might be a musical term. uh, But the the Hebrew word is cover. So it could have to do with the actual theme or content, the the message of this psalm. Because we're going to find David covered here. And then um, we, we learned the historical context here. Uh, as well. It's it's of David. He's a human author. But when the Philistines took him in Gath, that's a historical event that inspired David to pen these lyrics for us. It's from second, or sorry, first Samuel, first Samuel 21, 10 to 15. We're actually going to go there in just a minute. Before we do, let's read this Psalm. Psalm 56, be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily Swallow me up, for there be many that fight against me, O thou most high. And what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day they rest my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. And they gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger, cast down these people, O God. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. 
This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God, and I will render praises unto thee, for thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I might walk before God in the light of the living? Before we study this together, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at this song that you inspired David to write to us, to every follower of Jesus, to know what to do when fear arises and how to get out of it and move to faith. That's glorifying to you, and that's good for us. Lord, there are times, just like David expresses here, when it seems like we ascend to faith, and then we get pulled back down into fear. Help us understand how to ascend to faith, and then how to stay there. Teach us that through this song tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Verses 1 through 7 David announces his fear. It's very common. It's usually how these theme songs start. He does it in prayer to God. First of all, he's talking about his oppression in verses 1 through 4. David cries out in prayer to God for him to be merciful to David and to rescue him from men that desire to swallow him up, men who were fighting every day, daily against him. And the the Hebrew for swallow up like literally means to eat. It's a, a passionate desire to devour or consume someone. And it wasn't a lone or singular threat. Uh, In verses 1 and 2, David describes this as a daily reality for him at this time. And not only was it daily, but he says in verse 2, there'd be many that fight against me. So it was daily, and it was from a bunch of different places, his oppression that's causing this fear in his life. I don't know if you've ever been in a similar circumstance. Now, it might not have been a literal threat to your life, like David's worried about here. He's running for, for his life. Um, but it's something that caused you great pain, and great hurt. And it seemed like maybe you could just make it if you could make it to tomorrow or the rest of the, you know, get through this week. But then something else happens, <laughs> you know, again, the next day. And... Um, the next day comes again. And like, oh, maybe you could almost make it if you could deal with just this one thing that was coming at you, causing fear, causing anxiety. But no, just like David here, there's many, there's many that you're dealing with a lot of different things from a lot of different places. That's a terrible place to be. And fear and anxiety are very normal human reaction and emotion. What does faith feel like? In times like that, pretty impotent, maybe even inconsequential, like it's really not doing a whole lot. So what does David do here? What, what should we do? And we've got this God-designed pattern that we've seen um, probably not 56 times, but it's been a lot. I mean, that's why that slide hasn't changed a whole lot except a few times, all right? Um, what do we do? How do we move from fear to faith? You remember? Step one, focus on the facts. Focus on the facts. Who God is, what God's done, what God has promised to do. And David's already made uh, that proper first response, not the last resort, first response. He's going to God in prayer here at the beginning of Psalm 56. And, And then often will come a change of perspective. That's when we switch our focus from whatever's causing our fear to 
the facts about who God is, what God's done, and what God's promised to do. Uh, we focus not on the daily threats, not on the many threats, but no, what does he say at the end of verse 2? He's already changing his perspective. O thou most high. And then in verse 3, isn't this a beautiful verse? What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I like this because uh, in verse 3, God has David give us the result of that focus change. When I'm afraid, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to ascend to faith. And that focus change actually occurs in verse 4. He says, in God I will praise his word. In God I've put my trust. I'm not going to fear what flesh can do unto me. So Christian, listen to this verse in in verse 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Notice it does not say that those who are God's are never afraid. God's never calling us to go through life without experiencing fear because it's not going to happen. <laughs> it doesn't say you're never going to be afraid. He says when, what time, I am afraid, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to trust in God. David says when I am. Daily threats, many threats, they cause fear. Fear happens to Christians. And the presence of fear in your life, it doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean that you're not living for the Lord. Um, but we're also told repeatedly in this hymnal, what to do when fear does come. What do we do? I will trust in thee. And David was able to do that because of what he did in verse 4. In God, I will praise his word. So he's going to God's word where he learns these facts or he's reminded of these facts of who God is, what God's done, and what God's promised. He's able to move out of fear and to faith here in just four verses because he changed his focus from the daily threats from the many threats to his God. And he did that by going to God's word. That's what it says in verse 4. He, he now sees his circumstances. And they're bad. He sees them in light of his great and powerful and almost high God. And God's word is what reminded him of that. Instead of seeing his God as something puny in light of his great circumstances. David contrasts in verse 4 uh, his eternal and almost high and, and mighty omnipotent God, he contrasts him with the cause of his fear. He says, I'm not going to fear what flesh can do to me. Whenever you see that word, that's usually the idea. Um, and later he says man. But when, when he uses the term flesh, it's to show such a stark contrast between an eternal, no beginning and no end, almighty, omniscient, omnipotent God and man who's causing the problem. And that he has God. And so he ought not fear what flesh can do to him. Of course, we shouldn't be afraid when God is on our side, when we, when we realize that. So, whoo, we made it through, right? We're all done. Got out of fear, and we're up here on faith, but we're in verse 4, right? And verse 5 goes, it goes down a little bit, doesn't it? It does. This is his oscillation, and that happens to us, too. I'm so glad God put this in here. We've got so many moving from uh, fear to faith theme psalms where David starts out here and he ends up way here and it's this nice beautiful arc and then we got psalm this is I think probably the third one we've looked at when it goes like this but then it goes like this before it goes back up like this and doesn't that happen in our lives it does that's why God put so many of these here for us his oscillation David gets more specific in verses uh, five and six about the type of oppression uh, that he mentioned earlier. Uh, people were slandering him every day, twisting his words, and they had only evil intentions toward him, is what verse 5 says. 
In verse 6, he says, uh, they gather themselves together. He's already said, I've got many enemies. So now he's back focusing on, on how many people are against him. David did have many enemies. We studied uh, throughout the Psalms here, we've learned of, of Saul. Saul was an enemy. He's trying to kill him. <laughs> uh, Doeg. There's a couple of Psalms written about David's interaction there when um, David went to the high priest Ahimelech and he, uh, he asked for food because he was on the run for his life and, and he asked for a sword and Ahimelech said, well, I've got Goliath's sword and David's like, yeah, give it to me. There's nothing like it. And um, he had Doeg go and kill Ahimelech and the rest of the priests because of how they helped David there. He, I mean, he had a lot of enemies. What about last week? And his own son, Absalom, and his father-in-law, Mahitapel. I mean, so he did. He did have many enemies. I mean, that's a fact as well. And he always had the Philistines. You remember that superscript up there? Like what this psalm is about. When the Philistines took him in Gath. Well, keep your finger here as we'll be right back. But let's go to 1 Samuel 21. 1 Samuel 21 and verses 10 to 15. So this is right after that whole David, um, David's running from Saul and he goes to Ahimelech and he gets uh, food for him and his men and he gets that sword from Ahimelech, but Saul's still pursuing him. And um, we learn what David does in verses 10 through 15, the, the context for Psalm 56, what Psalm 56 is about. So 1 Samuel 21, verses 10 to 15, and I'll read it. Verse 10 says, and David arose, and he fled that day for fear of Saul. So that was the reason he fled. Look where he went. He went to Achish, the king of Gath. You know where Gath was? Philistia. So David, in order to be safe, and because of his fear, he flees to Philistia, to Achish, the king of Gath. And, and the servants of Achish, verse 11, said unto him, is not this David, the king of the land? I mean, did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands? Now, do you remember when they sang that song? It was right after David had killed Goliath, their champion. And David's there. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty deep in enemy territory. He's gone to the king's palace um, because he thinks it's a safe place. Uh, Verse 12, and David laid up these words in his heart. He heard what they were saying about him. And he was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. What happens when you flee, at least here, because of fear? Did it solve his fear problem? No, he's, he's in more fear now. Verse 13, and he changed his behavior before them, and he feigned himself mad, crazy, in their hands. And he scrabbled on the doors of the gate, and he let his spittle fall down upon his beard. So he's in their hands. They, they like detained him. And he's like, well, to save my life, I'm going to act like a nut. I'm going to scratch on the door and I'm going to let drool go down on my beard. In verse 14, then said Achish unto his servants, lo, you see this man is mad. Wherefore then have you brought him to me? Have I a need of madmen that you brought me this fellow that will play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? So he sends him out, kicks him out of the country. So why do we, why do we read that? Because fear makes us do crazy things, doesn't it, sometimes? I mean, this is a pretty crazy thing. Worst of all, it steals God's glory. I mean, David's there in pagan place. People who don't have a relationship with God, don't, they worship idols. 
He could have had a testimony before him. Instead, he acts like a crazy person because he's still living in fear and, and his actions are being determined by fear. Instead of turning to God, instead of trusting God, when we take matters into our own hands, it typically makes matters worse. That's kind of what we're seeing here. Let's go back to Psalm 56. We see the effects of fear in David's poor choice to seek safety among the Philistines. And we see the effects of fear even on this man after God's own heart. And David's a hero of the faith. I think we'd all say that. I mean, even after, in verses 1 through 4, he's, he has um, ascended out of fear. He's refocused on the facts. Temporarily, he ascended uh, to faith in verses 3 and 4. But this is just a reminder for you and I that this is a continuing battle. It was for David, this hero of the faith, and it's going to be for us when even the initial emotions of fear begin to spring up in us and rise up in us. We've got to right away focus on the facts. We've got to immediately turn to God's word and then hold there. Even after we've ascended to faith, I think that's our problem. We get up there and we're like, okay, I got it. It's easy street. I don't need to depend and lean on God's word. I got it from here. No, (laughs) you better. You're going to wind up doing what David did here. My rise out of fear to faith, and then all of a sudden we let fear pull our gaze back away from the facts. So we need to learn from David's example in these songs that might not have the most smooth little arc trajectory. In verse 7, David prays. He says, shall they escape by iniquity, all these people oppressing me? And he's had a lot. Saul and Doeg, Absalom and Ahithophel and the Philistines. Shall they escape by iniquity? Are you going to let them get away with their sin, with their oppression, God? And so he prays, in, in your anger, Lord, cast down these people, O God. David acquires the facts, verses 8 through 9. So he's, he's getting back to what he did originally back in, in verses 3 and 4. In verse 8, he says, Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears in a bottle. Are they not in your book? So... Some of the facts that we need to lean on are, are typically always about God's character, who he is, or his conduct, what he has done and what he's promised to do. And David here focuses on God's omniscience, um, that he's all-seeing, God is all-seeing, and God is all-knowing. And while David announces in verses 1 through 7, he announces his fears to God through prayer, is David really informing God of anything? I mean, God knows everything David's experiencing already. God knows the oppression David's experiencing. He sees everything that David's enemies are doing to him without cause. He knows every pain. He sees every tear that falls from David's eyes. That's what David's talking about here in verse 8. You know my wanderings. He uses kind of poetic language. I'm not saying that there's a literal bottle up there in shelves for each one of us that has our tears in them, but God knows about them. He records them. He says, are they not in thy book? I mean, God is aware. He's omniscient. He knows what we're experiencing, the oppression. And God's not just omniscient. He's omnipotent. Verse 9, he says, when I cry unto thee, well, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. See, not only is God omniscient, not only does he know everything and see everything, but he's also omnipotent. He's all-powerful. David's already contrasted all-powerful God with 
weak humanity, flesh in verse 4. But in verse 9, David speaks of his almighty, omnipotent God chasing away those who were oppressing him. When I cry unto thee, then will my enemies turn back. They're going to flee. And the last phrase of verse 9, man, this is a good one. Probably the most important fact about God that we could ever focus on. And it's attached to other things about him. But what does it say at the end of verse 9? This I know, for God is what? God is for me. <laughs> God is for me. Is that, I mean, that might be the most beautiful and one of the most encouraging phrases in all of Scripture. This I know, for God is for me. See, apart from that last phrase, honestly, God's omniscience and God's omnipotence, they might be a cause for more fear. God sees everything about everything I do, everything people are doing to me, but also everything I'm doing. God's all-powerful. God's sovereign. I love these aspects of his character. But apart from that whole God is for me, those aren't really all that comforting. In fact, they might be a reason for more fear in our lives. But if we have realized that God, what he has done to save us from our sins, if we've recognized who Jesus is and we've received him as our Savior, well, yet, yeah, that's pretty strong evidence that God is for me. God's for me. What about my enemies? What about the slander? What about the oppression? What about the threats to my life? What, what about whatever is causing your fear in your situation? Well, God is for you. If you're a Christian, if you have a relationship with him by grace through faith in Jesus, God is for you. Do you know that? That's what David says. This I know. This I know that God is for me. That, that's what holds that whole, every aspect of his character, but his, his omniscience and omnipotence, that's what helps him get from fear and start getting to where he needs to be. And with this truth, God is for me, David ascends to faith in verses 10 to 13. He's reinforced by God's promise in verses 10 to 11. He says, in God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I've put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do Unto me. So David returns to the very same thing he did back in verses 3 and 4, before his oscillation away from faith. David's saying almost the very same thing. They're, I mean, they're almost exactly the same. It is noteworthy that now in this, in this ascent to faith, where we don't, at least now, we don't see him fall back, he does mention God's word twice. Before, he just said in verse, um, in verse 4, and God, I will praise his word. Now what does he say here in verse 10? In God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. It seems like he's staying focused on God's word there. And staying focused on God's word is what's going to prevent any other oscillation away, any fall back into fear. In verse 11, we do see a change there too. Instead of flesh, he says in verse 11, I'm not going to fear what man uh, can do to me. Some people point out that maybe flesh was talking about um, Philistines and man was Saul and Doeg and all the Jewish Hebrew oppressors he had. The, the point is the same. <laughs> that man or men, even many men, even daily many men <clears throat> being against you really ought to be no cause for fear, no reason to take matters into your own hands in a crazy way, no, definitely no reason to flee to the Philistines if God is for you. And he is. God is for you. Verse 12's got um, some really difficult sentence structure, and I bring that out because I'm using the King James. I know we've got people with other versions here. So let me read the King James, 
And it says, Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. And your version uh, may say something different, especially with whose vows are being talked about here, because in the Hebrew, it's, it's kind of unknown. Um, in modern translations, uh, other than, than the King James and the New American Standard, it probably structures this sentence as David desiring to praise God because he made a vow when he was in oppression and asking for God to save him, and now he's going to come through on it, and he's going to praise the Lord. And that may be right. The King James and the NASB, they choose to structure it a little differently. Um, it speaks of God's vow to David. Now, it typically doesn't use that term vow. It's, it's usually talking about a covenant promise, but God had made a covenant promise to David. And David's saying, it's upon me. That's my reminder that you are for me. You have promised this. And just like we learned last week, faith sees a promised act of God is as good as done. So either way, either way, God's covenant was on David. And either way, David's response to God's faithful deliverance of David needed to be, needed to be praise. And David's also reinforced in ascending up to faith and staying put, not just by God's promise, but by God's provision. We find that in verse uh, 13, for thou hast delivered my soul from death. Will thou now deliver my feet from falling, that I might walk before God in the light of the living? So David's saying here, God, you have delivered my soul, my greatest need you've taken care of. You delivered my soul from death. And then he asks this rhetorical question, will you not also deliver my feet from falling even right here and now? Won't you also allow me to walk here on earth with you safely and I mean, you've taken care of my greatest need. Death, eternity away from you, eternity in hell. You've taken care of that. So I can count on you to also come through for me in what are still painful, but maybe much less serious circumstances compared to that. David's uh, statement and question here in verse 13, it's, to me, it's like the Romans 8, 28 to 32 of the Psalms. You love Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good. To them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And then he tells us about how God works for us. And then he gets to verse 32 where, they, where um, Paul says that um, he who didn't spare his own son, how is he not going to also give you freely all things? So like if you ever doubt that all things do work together for good, such an awesome verse, Romans 8.28. But really Romans 8.32 is kind of the foundation behind it. Because it says, like if you ever doubt that all things are working together for good, he gave his own son for you. How is he not going to give you free things? And that's what David's saying here. You took care of my greatest need. You delivered my soul from death. Are you not also going to deliver my feet here and now? That I can walk before you in the light of the living. That's just a word for here on earth right now. So in faith, David was looking to a coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. Literally one of his descendants. He was looking to that coming Messiah who would save him from his sin and give him eternal life. And so with that same faith, he's like, you know what? You're going to take care of this too. I don't need to fear what flesh, what man can do to me. When I am afraid, I'm going to trust in you because you are for me. And we, we look back to a Messiah who came, but also who's coming again. So we're kind of in the same boat as David. We look back to a Messiah who did save us, take care of our greatest need, wash away our sins, 
Give us new life, eternal life in Jesus Christ. And we look to that coming Messiah. He's coming again. And we're going to get that eternal life. And if we can trust him with all of that, won't he take care of our daily oppression from many oppressors? Yeah, he will. Are you in a place of fear, oppression from the hand of others? Maybe it's a daily reality. Maybe it's a frequent reality. And maybe it's coming from many different places. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. Uh, if, if that's the case, announce your fear to God in prayer. Just do what David did. Announce your fear to God in prayer, maybe even right now, as we sing these last two songs.